Welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. Banks have big budgets and there aren't many that don't utilise sponsorship as part of their marketing activities. In New Zealand in 1906, after many years of lobbying the government, a special bill was passed enabling excess funds to be directed to community projects. And since that time, ASB has been recognised and respected for the support it gives to the communities in which they operate. ASB's Corporate Responsibility Report specifically talks about ASB's values and the work they are doing to build and support sustainable New Zealand communities. ASB has a wide-ranging sponsorship approach from involvement in community-based events right through to the all-conquering New Zealand All Blacks. And in this episode, Mike Wooten, Sponsorship Manager, takes us inside sponsorship at ASB. I'm your host, Daniel Oyston. Welcome to episode 33. It's great to have you tuning in wherever you are in the world, and I hope you are having a fantastic week. I've got a few shout-outs to get through, and the first is to Vic Ramsey, who shot me a message on LinkedIn just to say, just a quick note to let you know that I love, love is in capital, so I like that, your podcast. Thanks for creating such wonderful content, inspiring and insightful. Ah. Very kind words, Vic, uh, and very much appreciated. Now, Vic also went on to say that she'd love to connect with fellow listeners in China, uh, specifically in Beijing, where she's based. So if you are in the area and want to network with others in the industry, in the sports industry, then look up Vic, V-Y-K, Ranzi, R-A-N-Z-I on LinkedIn. Next on the list is Chuck Hover, sales and sports marketing professional, uh, a long-time listener and follower and supporter of Sponserve, who wrote on LinkedIn that everyone should be listening to the podcast. And yes, Chuck, I agree, and thanks for the support. Susan Fisher from our hometown, Canberra, Australia, bumped into Mark Thompson, our MD, while they were hobnobbing in the corporate area at the AFL the other week and said she's a keen listener of the show. So, Hi, Susan. I hope you're doing well. Also, a shout-out to Brian Mahoney from Connect Rugby, who connected on LinkedIn uh, just to let me know that he's recently started listening to the show while on the bike at the gym, uh, and he's finding it very useful. So thanks, Brian, and keep pedalling, and glad we can help uh, alleviate some of that boredom of a stationary bike. And finally, a quick shout out to Mike Keach, a well-known man in the sponsorship space in Australasia, who helped me out and made the suggestion and introduction to today's guest, Mike Wooten. Also on the show, as usual, is Mark Thompson, our MD, to talk about his latest blog, which examines the areas that, as sponsorship managers, you might consider finding some help in. Here's Mark. Mark Thompson, welcome to the show. Daniel, how are you going? I'm very good, thanks. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very well. Now, do you remember Kodak? I'm in charge of running this show, not you. Yeah, you no, get, you're going to do the intros, eh? I'm asking you a question. Okay, fine. Do you remember Kodak? Yes. The um, camera company. Well, they're, they're, they're almost better known as the company that failed because they refused to integrate with others who could help them evolve as a business. Oh, sounds deep. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Well, Kodak it reminds me of some sponsorship professionals that I know. <laughs> this is a segue. <laughs> this is loose. Where are you going with this? <laughs> well, sponsorship professionals, as we know, and, and we're biased in this thought, but um, Lovely people. are some of the most diverse and capable commercial minds in any rights holder business. Of course. Many strings um, to their bow. Exactly right. But they are, however, also you know some of the least likely people to seek help when they need it. That is true. 
So in recent times, you know, we've just through our normal course of business been chatting um, to some people that clearly need some help in various areas and, and not because they're bad at their job, but there's a variety of reasons. You know, there's the time is just against them or, um, you know, they don't have the internal resourcing or whatever to get... Maybe they don't know that there's options out there. Exactly. And, and, you know, we can see from the outside in that help would bring them so much more success Mm, than what they can do on their own. And, you know, there's a saying that an old boss of mine, um, Michael Thompson, who's CEO of the Brumbies rugby team, used to say all the time, and it is, you don't know what you don't know. 100% correct. Um, So I thought I'd outline what help is out there and the signs... Um, that you might need so- to sort of access some of that help. Now, if I know you well, you've broken it down into categories. Three. Yes. Very good. <laughs> All right. So what are we starting with? So the first one is um, I've kept it simple. Right. So, Thank um, you. <laughs> and, and one of the points I want to sort of make before we keep going um, is that there are sort of many duties and, and many different areas that, that external help is is available. Um, but what I'm sort of breaking this down to is that the the clear areas that can help as a general rule across a broader spectrum, yep. because what we see is some of the best rights holders in the world, all, without fail, all the best rights holders in the world use external help in one way or the other. Yes. And it's not because they've got the money, it's because they know how much better they can be through the use of that help. And so the three biggest categories we see but We that don't help. always see that in smaller, no. what you might call challenger rights holders, do we? No, it's rare, actually. And, and I would why, s- why is that, you reckon? Well, mate, there's probably a few different reasons for that. One would be um, it takes money to invest in the help before you see the return, and they might not have the cash flow to do it. Um, a lot of people feel threatened by help as yep. well, and, and often... Um, you know, is it those challenger rights holders are um, a feeding ground for, for staff transitioning on their way up through their career. And, you know, some of those people may um, not be comfortable in their spot yet, so they don't want to be seen as perhaps having a weakness by accessing help. Um, hopefully I said that politically enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not to you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be scared of help. My <laughs> mother-in-law is staying with us at the moment. She said to me yesterday, uh, I was thinking about doing some cleaning some housework today is that okay i said that's fine <laughs> help all you want you don't have to ask yeah. just clean whatever you find well i've been to your house and uh and i think i was asked to clean up at one point i was definitely asked to pick up a case of beer and move it to the fridge <laughs> take your shoes off yeah. all right so we've got three categories yeah so training and resourcing is the first yes so there are two sayings that ring true in any business function spending money on upskilling your staff in his investment which will return many times over yep and it takes money to make money. Of course. So those two sayings ring true in sponsorship just like they do in any other business function. And they're probably important to keep front of mind. Exactly. Well, high, high staff turn- turnover can be crippling to mm. sponsorship relationships, not just crippling to the business, but yeah. to relationships because it creates a static sales environment and impacts on team culture. Um, if you have relatively high staff turnover or you have staff um, which have remained in their current roles for too long, um, having the same results year on year, it would pay for you to invest in upskilling those people. Because if people people stay in organisations where they feel like they're developing and they're getting better at their job of and course. they're feeling appreciated, and, and, and people also stay in roles where they can feel like they're progressing. So, if so you're what not, are some of those things that you can do to either upskill yourself or your team? 
So there's mentoring programs with yep. like renowned industry leaders. They're they're cheap. Like Mark Thompson. They're easy. Mark Thompson. <laughs> um, you know, Richard Branson. Yeah, same breath. I was going to say, <laughs> Richard might take you to his island. Um, there's external training programs. So yes. that, that's if you want to focus on developing specific skill sets, like negotiation. Yeah. Yep. Exactly right. Yep. Um, and then there's online resources. So, um, you know, we've we've spoken to people that have tools. In that um, that that area, like Vicky Saunders has got an online tool. Um, I know there's a few others that are coming out shortly, which are online tools around how to how to best sell, and so helping to identify and provide quality information and techniques to help move with the time. So the online training isn't just about giving you skills that you don't have; it's about making sure they're up to date and current. reinforcing your yeah. current skills. Exactly, right. of course, and they and they can be done. In the off season, the the good thing about online training is that it's uh, at the beach. It's self it's self tempered. So mm. very good. So training and resourcing number two, acquisition and fulfilment. Right. So some organisations really struggle finding appropriate partners, um, using the correct techniques to source and you know complete sales and activating or fulfilling to drive commercial returns. So um, the reasons for this are they're either resource, time, um, or cash poor um, however finding the right help in those areas can drive immediate ret- returns commercially so these are sort of some help areas where you can have a re- immediate return and, and maybe help build a business case around making some things more permanent in it's not a long-term investment it isn't so i mean agencies are the are this sort of specific assistance available here and there are multiple agencies out there that help with a whole bunch of really good stuff but but it's important to really understand when you're going down the agency route is that there are sales agencies and then there are activation and fulfillment agencies yep and often the best in each don't do both yeah so, specialize exactly i mean our friends at wh sports group sales yep you want to sell a property in the uk market use wh if you want to activate and, you know, fulfill in a different sort of um, way, then you, you go down a different route with a different agency. So in my opinion, the best use of agencies come with the internal support they can provide in terms of like data, statistics, strategy, the real smarts and deep sort of knowledge they have in those spaces on either side of the fence. And that will help give you the tools to effectively sell and report on current or prospective partnerships. So um, they're looking to help um, use the data to sell, but that same data can then be used to retain. Yep, of course. So you're working, you're you're using those guys as education as much as extra bodies out in the marketplace. Mm. So training and resourcing, one. Two, acquisition and fulfilment, three. Technology. Ooh. (laughs) So this is the emerging field in sponsorship and it comes in many forms. So it's it's a tool. Um, Technology is really the tool that helps organisations create more time. So it you know it, it it helps. There's so many benefits to technology, but it you know reduces inefficient processes. Um, it, it it helps advance you to new heights without having to have um, you know high resource reduces errors. Yeah, but you know you're not having to up staff to up to upsell you know you're not you, you can actually create through the efficiencies technologies bring create commercial returns off a relatively low cost base so what options do we have for technology 
I mean, the social media and targeting technology is sort of really highly used and successful tool in sales prospecting. So you can target individual job titles or individual brands or individual geographies based on what you're trying to sell and, and how you're trying to sell it. You know, you see a lot of posts, generic posts on um, LinkedIn, which are just saying we've got some hospitality yeah. opportunities available. Um, they're, they're not targeted. They're people that are just blurting that out. And, and just for, for those that might not know how that would work, you're probably better off putting that hospitality post. I mean, I would maybe question the execution of we have hospitality, come and contact me, but let's assume that's the route that you go down. Um you know, I'd be probably advocating that you look more broadly at a we can help you achieve these objectives through hospitality type uh, post. Post that to your company page, but you can then specifically target and 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 boost that post on your company page. Let's say you're a football club. To you can actually specifically focus it to people with certain job titles, so CEOs, managing directors, or certain areas just Canberra or Australia or Australasia. You can even target it at specific uh, organisation names. So if you want ABC company and EFG company to try and come on as a sponsor, you might just run those ads just for those people. Like It'll cost you almost nothing because that's very specific demographics. But you're right. We see lots of, hey, come to our game day experience. And I'm like, well, I'm over the other side of the world, mate. Yeah. Waste. (laughs) Yes. Um, Audience monitoring and tracking technology. So to help tracks achievement and of specific sponsor goals so um you know those sorts of things are, are best done through experts in the field yep um you know people like your nielsen sports are the the ones that, that sort of lead the way there digital presentation technology to pre- professional and time efficient reports so you know you've got your, your your companies out there which provide digidex and things like that to help you know present a professional um front yep and then the end-to-end program management technology to improve efficiency, increase governance, drive commercial returns. Again, um, providing governance, prov- providing um, you know, thorough oversight, saving time. All of this is done through technology rather than people. And your people can be used to drive commercial returns. So obviously, the, the fourth point there, that's, that's where sponsor falls into play. Very good. Now, probably lots of people listening. That all sounds fantastic, Mark. <laughs> But money. Yes. Well, I mean... Can uh, I have some? <laughs> it all costs nothing there. I didn't get a no there. It's free. <laughs> um, that's why. <laughs> that's why, you, you know, people, but people think, oh, I can't really afford that. I mean, you're not going to buy everything. Yeah, but, <laughs> true. But you're going to have a, um, a specific weakness or a, or a specific pain point that can be solved through some sort of external help. And... The, the sort of thought process around can I afford it? I mean, the, the question is probably going to start to be raised, especially around the technology bit is, well, can you afford not to? Because otherwise you're going to be left behind and your servicing is going to fail and the people are going to walk. So, you know, a good help will come with a compelling business case and putting that case into a re- commercial return and selling internally that idea is the big challenge. So, um, as I just said, focus that on the biggest areas of pain and the easiest wins. And then if you can well, show... keeps you up at night. But if you can show quick gains across those areas, so pick pick areas that are going to help you have some quick wins, show that external help can have these returns, and then you're more likely to be allowed to you know, ac- access some external help in other areas of pain. 
All right. So, I mean, so what, what would you pick? Yeah, for what it's worth, I'd pick technology every day of the week. Correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> We're biased, but correct answer. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks for joining us. If you, uh, listeners, if you want to go through those points slowly, just head to sponsor.net, head to the blog section, and it's all there in, in black and white. You can go through it. If you've got any questions, get in contact with us. Thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. ASB is one of the largest banks in New Zealand with more than 1.3 million personal business and rural customers choosing to bank with them. ASB has a wide-ranging sponsorship approach from involvement in community-based events right through to the all-conquering New Zealand All Blacks. And in this episode, Mike Wooten, Sponsorship Manager, takes us inside sponsorship at ASB. Here's Mike. Mike Wooten, welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. I'm really pretty excited to be here, actually. Very good. Icebreaker question. We get a couple of little icebreaker questions just to sort of get the, the interview juices flowing and get people to, to, to learn a little bit more about you before we get into the serious work stuff. And the first one is, if your house was burning down, you could only take one item with you, and it's a gimme that you're going to take your family and your pets with you. What would Are that you sure be? about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I'm giving Sorry. you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> what's, Sorry, the, okay, what's, the ne- what's the next item you take? Um, I'd have to think, yeah, I think my answer is going to be a little bit boring on this one, actually. I'd probably take my laptop or my cell phone. It's just kind of where everything's kept these days, you know. But I've got a ton of planning, writing, all my personal notes, all my photos and things are all sitting on there, so... Yeah, that would probably be the one item. Yeah, it does carry a lot of information these days. The second icebreaker yeah. question is, what was your first ever job? Um, my first ever job, and I'm not actually sure if you could call this a job, but um, thinking about that question, uh, when I was at primary school, elementary school, I actually used to organise these colouring in competitions. <laughs> um, and what I used to do, I used to use the photocopier at my dad's work and create colouring in competitions and then I'd distribute them around my school and I'd steal stationery from his office and then those would be the prizes and then people would give me all sorts of things to enter in the competition. Very good. <laughs> so I'm counting, I'll count that. First, so I'll, I'll count yeah, that. That was kind of my first job was trying to get, you know, um, kids lunch, money, whatever they had for a colouring in competition. <laughs> Very entrepreneurial. So uh, what has been your experience in your career progression up to your current role at the moment? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've, I've been pretty lucky. Like I've had a pretty diverse career background. I mean, I first actually started out in the New Zealand Army, um, and I kind of just had a light bulb moment in there which said, hey, let's try do something um, different with your life, and just kind of I fell into sport. Um, so I went to university and studied sport business management, marketing communication. I did really well. Uh, at the same time, I worked for two years concurrently uh, with a, the local professional rugby team there, so working on their sponsorships and uh, doing a lot of marketing strategy for them and also organising their home games. Uh, from there, I kind of moved over to when I worked for Winter Olympics in Vancouver and back to New Zealand, have worked for a regional sports trust, also Rugby World Cup. Um, and that was kind of all on the rights holder side. And then uh, in order to round out my experience, I decided that it was time to move into corporate. So from there, I've moved into corporate with uh, A&P and looking after a lot of their sponsorships. Uh, and then now ASB, one of the um, 
one of the big banks in New Zealand. Very good. And so currently, obviously, you're the sponsorship manager at ASB, and ASB have a large portfolio of sponsorships, which I'll get you to talk about in a minute. But as a segue to that, how do you generally structure your week to get through what I'm imagining is a pretty busy job? Yeah, sure. Um, I rely heavily on my calendar, to be honest, and my scheduler um, and my phone. So, uh, yeah, unless I've written it down or set an alarm, chances are I'll forget about it. So I, I really do rely on it. I use alarms. Um, I also write quite a lot, so write a lot of notes in my notebook. I know it's old school, but it something just helps me a lot with remembering. Um, and... You know, like a lot of my job is around project management at the end of the day. So, you know, like I do a lot of onboarding of stakeholders. I do, you know, my workload can be quite scary to look at um, and think about. But if I prioritise enabling those that I work with um, and then they're able to go and complete their part of what I needed to do, then that contributes to what I need to do, if that makes sense. Yes. So, um, you know, that becomes high priority for me. I also set specific times for doing a lot of admin. So I'll block out times in my week where it's dedicated to reviewing proposals or it's dedicated to meeting with um, agencies who want to pitch ideas and things like that. So that's kind of how I manage my week. Very good. And and to set the scene a little bit, can you give the listeners a, a broad rundown of some of the key sponsorships that ASB has in place at the moment? Yeah, sure. So probably our most prominent one would be that we sponsor the All Blacks. Um, so that'd be the most globally recognised uh, rugby team. Um, we also sponsor, I guess it's the New Zealand version of Wimbledon. We sponsor the, or the Australian Open. We sponsor the AFB Classic Tennis. We also do uh, AFB Open Marathon. We're involved in quite a lot of um, diversity events. So uh, Auckland Lantern Festivals, Diwali, uh, Big Gay Out. Uh, and then we also sponsor um, like a number of charities as well. So St. John, which is our national uh, ambulance service, um, Coast Guard, uh, Starship Children's Hospital and things like that. And on your website, you break down what I think is a, a approximately about 22 partnerships and you break those down into key Four, uh, sorry, four key areas: community partnerships, sport partnerships, mm-hmm. arts sponsorship, and stadiums and venues. Is that generally how ASB approach their portfolio? You, you look to invest in those specific areas, or is it more a case of, well, if a sponsorship can help us achieve our goals, then we'll consider it, even if it doesn't fit into one of those buckets neatly? Yeah, we're we're in an interesting position where our customer base is actually very general. So, you know, majority of people need banking services, um, which means we have a very wide audience. Um, so we like to definitely focus on um, mass participation sponsorships or, or, you know, those that have mass following. Um, we typically only focus on sponsorships that are in New Zealand because that's the only place that we operate. Um and we'll typically, we will rule out a lot of the time international benefits and things. Um, we just, they're just probably not as important to us. Um, we have a kind of focus on, because, um, on youth and innovation. Um, we do focus a lot on, you know, the larger cities of New Zealand because it's where the, the 
our biggest um, customer bases are. Uh, we do focus on, uh, we call it kind of um, help in, in the time of need. So that's kind of our charity space. Um, and then you never, I don't think you're ever going to get it completely right because you're still going to have things that are going to fall outside of those things which fit into your business objectives. So, um, you know, we're regularly auditing our sponsorship portfolio and ensuring that we're looking to, you know, um, change or improve our sponsorships that we're involved with to align with what our current business objectives are and also what our customers are telling us and what they need. Um, so, it's a, you know, it's a constantly moving feast. So it's really hard to stay specifically focused on key areas for too long. Speaking of objectives, from the outside, a lot of people would just automatically assume that a, that a bank's key objectives in a sponsorship would be brand awareness and brand positioning. But banks also have a lot of business customers. Is there a focus on objectives in those sponsorship agreements that you have? To you know, is there a focus on objectives aligned to business customers as well, or is it mostly consumers that you are looking to align sponsorships with, or is it just a mix? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a good question. Um, we definitely look at everything. Um, for us, there's a large emphasis on con- consumers for us. Um, you know, when it comes to big business, we can, we can typically tailor a lot of our, you know, we can create our own sort of events to target those sorts of people um, and those customers. But in saying that, you know, we will look for business components within sponsorships as well. You know, if there's one there, it would be, I think, you know, it would be silly not to look at it and, and, and leverage to um, engage with business customers. Um, I wouldn't say it's a, you know, a, a really high priority in, in our major sponsorships. Um, but in saying that, you know, again, we'll tie it back into what our customer needs are and what the, what the business objectives are for the bank. So, you know, if we've got a real focus at any given time to improve our business offering, um, then we will use sponsorships uh, as a way to uh, help achieve that. And, and in those sponsorship agreements, what are the benefits that uh, you are generally attracted to activating or, or think work best to help achieve those broader objectives? And do they differ really based on the portfolio areas that we spoke about before, whether it's community, sport or, or arts? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, benefits is always an interesting because, again, it should always tie back for us back into um, our customers and what the and what our overarching business objectives are. Ones for me personally, I think that stand out is just uh, I think the easy wins is benefits that we can pass on to our customers. So, if we can give our customers an advantage, if we can give them something that they're not going to get anywhere else, if we can give them uh, anything that shows that you know we understand them, that we appreciate them, then those really stand out for us. Um, because at the end of the day, we're sponsoring to engage and give back to our customers while we help the community at the same time. Um, you know, we quite like uh, VIP hosting opportunities as well because it's a really nice give back for our customers. And, and at the same point, it ties back into your earlier question. You know, like, it's a really good chance to host um, potential business clients. Uh, and talk to them. Um, anywhere, and this is always a bit, we always find this one a bit difficult for a bank, um, but the return on investment piece, so if there's any ability to tie in products, um, any services that we offer, I think that's always a really good 
um, benefit as well. Well, on return on investment, how closely do you track the success of your sponsorships? Are you one of those types of sponsors who track what the ROI was from each, I don't know, let's say email or event, or is it more just general tracking and reporting that goes into the wider mix of your marketing activities? Yeah, sure. So we we um, you know like we monitor our brand reputation within New Zealand and, and people's perception towards our brand. Um, part of that, we also have a subset which is specifically focused to our community involvement and our sponsorships. Um, and you know, like some of those maybe around uh, supporting diversity or helping New Zealanders in the time of need uh, would be examples of those. So we definitely measure those, and that get that gets done on a uh, on a monthly basis. Um, the other thing which we also look to do is, uh, you know, it's always really attractive when um, sponsors do their own research um, and we can tie into that and use that to help um, show return on investment. Um, and then the other thing which we're finding that we're doing a lot more these days is also building in uh, ways for our customers and those who experience our sponsorship activations to give us direct feedback, whether that's through uh, digital means or through online. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to find ways that we can, uh, I guess, get that feedback a lot more readily directly from people that have been impacted by our sponsors, uh, impacted by our sponsorships. Yeah, of course. As you mentioned, you were a sponsorship executive at AMP Financial Services, so that's in the same space, roughly, finance. How would yep. you compare the sponsorship portfolio of AMP at the time you were there and ASB now? Do they generally approach it in the same way, or are the strategies and particularly the objectives they are looking to achieve and the benefits activated different? Yeah, sure. Um, like... W- the, very, the, the way these two companies operate is quite different, in my personal opinion. Um, at AMP, you know, they were they were kind of slow on understanding the real benefits behind sponsorships. You have to do a lot of work internally to try and, you know, get budget, get people to activate, uh, and get buy-in. Um, you know, there was a, a fair bit of chairman's choice which went on there which I'm sure everyone knows about you know like a lot of senior managers were the large drivers behind what was supported um, which made it quite tough to make a real impact um, and you know been able to tie that back into organisational objectives which is you know what I think any anyone who thinks about sponsorship strategically should be doing and that's kind of what excites me about the whole industry you know that wasn't uh, as prevailing at AMP um, so yeah, I, I think um, that ASB actually does a fantastic job with their sponsorships. Um, I think they just really embrace it. Um, you know, they use it to talk to customers, gather feedback, trial new products and services. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy working as part of the sponsorship team. I consider myself quite lucky. You create a lot of video content that tells stories around your partnerships. How important is that to ASB and, and why do you put so much effort into the awesome production values that we see in those videos? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, like a lot of um, what we support, um, you know, like they need they need help um, to tell their story and, you know, we also want to tell the story of us being involved with them. Um, you 
know, I think you also take that on top of, you know, we're seeing a massive global trend uh, in the consumption of video and that being one of the top forms of consumed content in the world. So uh, from from my point of view, I think it makes sense for us um, from a storytelling point of view. Uh, I think it's important that we tell the story behind some of our initiatives. I think, uh, you know, showcasing what we're involved in, our customers definitely want to know what, uh, definitely want to know that we're making an impact in the community and they want to know that we care about them. Uh, but video just seems to serve as a really good way uh, for us to tell that story to them, uh, showcase some of those things and, and allow us to take them on the journey, even if they didn't necessarily uh, experience an activation or experience our sponsorship in the flesh. It still allows them to see what we did. Um, I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say it's a really important component uh, benefit-wise from a sponsorship partner. So we'll I think we'll still go down that avenue regardless of if it's a benefit or not. We'll probably still want to tell a story. Um, but, yeah, I think it's highly important for engaging in a wider audience outside of, you know, the event itself or the program that you're supporting itself. Well, well on that point, is there is video a real key consideration at the start of discussions or, you know, maybe in the midpoint of the negotiations with rights holders in terms of what content you can create through a sponsorship or is it just something that maybe gets picked up afterwards? Um, yes, in my experience, it's typically not something that we will have heavy discussion around in the beginning. Um, you know, like when we're creating video, you know, we're doing most production with our agencies um, and most of our sponsorship partners, they're generally pretty happy to work with us to help deliver, you know, what our vision is or what we're thinking about. Because um, if we think about, if we take a step back and think about it quite strategically, you know, it's typically it in our best interest for both of us. So, you know, for them, it helps with their branding, with promoting their causes. Uh, it saves them some massive costs on engaging those types of agencies and also with advertising. And for us, it helps us tell that story. Um, so I, I haven't I haven't come across an example yet uh, where a sponsorship partner, you know, even if it was negotiated up front or not, has turned around and said, "We don't want you creating <laughs> video content." Uh, so it's, you know, it's one of those things I think um, most people can see the value and benefit in. So I saw some of that video content around the ASB run down your rate activation at the Auckland Marathon. Absolutely cracking activation. Can you explain for the listeners what that was all about? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the challenges I think that you know corporate sponsors often have with sponsorship is what role do you play within that event or what role do you play within whatever it is you're supporting? Um you know, I think it's important to find a natural fit and I think it's important to find a way whereby you can either create a more positive experience with that event or program um, or you can alleviate some of the negative components. Um, and um, so I think, you know, for us it's all around how do we connect with them and how do we make that experience a heck of a lot better than what it potentially could have been. Um, so with that kind of insight, run down your rate was sort of one of those great ideas which ticked a bunch of those boxes for us. Um, but 
yeah, I guess the most important part is that it gave us a role to play within that event um, and it added value and it made sense for our bank to be doing it. Um, the core concept behind it was, um, you know, the faster you run, the lower your home loan rate would be. So um, average average marathon time, I think, today at Bilkin Marathon was about four hours, 27 minutes. Um, at the time, home loan interest rates were roughly around mid-5%. So, you know, we wanted to turn it in where, you know, people could win their marathon time as their home loan rate. So then, you know, they had a really great story around their home, their home loan, how they got such a great rate. You know, they could then talk to their friends and say, you know, like, I'm, I'm paying... 3% interest rate on my home loan and everyone else would be absolutely gobsmacked as to how they got such a great rate um, and they can tie that back into their marathon experience and say well actually I ran a personal best which is how I got my great rate you know the bank recognised that and gave it to me um, and so we thought this was just a fantastic idea um, and we ended up getting 10 people who won the ability to run down their rate we flew them and their families up we gave them a really fantastic experience um, we gave them, you know, like all the latest running kit and helped them with their training. Um, and uh, as a result, six of them actually got their personal best um, for marathon running. Uh, we actually had one of the participants, she actually won the marathon for women. So she won the women's marathon. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, and I think she got a she got a two-hour 20 time. Oh. So there was 2.2% home run rate for a couple of years. Nice. Um, and what we were also able to do is we were able to tie in our charities into that. So we, we gifted that rate, the 2.2%, um, to a couple of deserving families from uh, Starship Children's Hospital as well. So I thought that was a really cool thing that we could do for them. Um, and then following that, we actually built on that campaign um, last year. So um, I'm, I'm not sure if the same thing happened in Australia and I'm not too sure what the trends are around the world, but here in New Zealand, the, you know, the interest rates for home loans has, uh, continued to decrease. So you can get some really good home loan rates. So it started a little bit disingenuous to be saying, oh yeah, you can try run down your <laughs> home loan rate when it's already in the low. You're going to have to run a world record to get a yeah. better rate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, what we did the what we did last year is we said, okay, we'll, we'll open this up to the nation, and say anyone in New Zealand can actually win uh, the winner of the marathon. They can win their time as a home loan rate. So we similar concept. We did ten people flew them and their families up. They come and watch the race and and supported um, Oscar, who actually won the race and got them a fantastic home loan rate. Very good. Now you said a couple of times in in that explanation that it was a, a great idea, a fantastic idea. I 100% agree. How'd you come up with the idea and was it hard to get approval for it? Uh, yeah, the, the whole idea process is always uh, an interesting interesting and sort of fun journey. Um, so we work with a few agencies and it was a bit of a collaborative approach with our agency. So, you know, they'll present ideas to us on a regular basis Um and quite often what will happen is they'll present an idea to us and we need to refine and sort of mould it so that it actually works for our environment, right? And some of the kind of 
you know, the barriers to doing business that we know about through working in this environment. Um, and something like this that involves uh, you know, regulation and legislation in the financial markets uh, is always going to be quite difficult to get across the line. But, uh, you know, we're quite fortunate, you know, as I talked about before, I actually really embraces their sponsorship and their involvement in the community, which I absolutely love being part of. Um, and so we've got a lot of really supportive people within the organisation who were able to advocate for doing a really good idea. And I guess the other, you know, the other thing is, is that we really pride ourselves on being, yeah, uh, innovative and customer centric. So those are two strong pillars which we really focus on delivering value. Um, and the the other beauty of this idea is that it was it was it was interesting enough and outside of the norm um, that the the onboarding that I had to do internally, you know, with legal and um, making sure that we're compliant. Um, you know, it was interesting to have those conversations with them and challenge them and they were really excited about being able to create something and do something new and so they were all really keen to find a way to make it happen. So oh, that's great. Yeah, so I was kind of a little bit lucky because it's you know, never an easy one to say, hey, you know, I know you guys have got tons of work on, um, <laughs> but here's a new concept that's never been done before and can we make up some new rules? Yeah. <laughs> and particularly when you're you're probably you already think it's a good idea, and you're a bit attached to it, and somebody has the opportunity to uh, to kill it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but that's, that's part of the job, you know. And, and everyone, at the end of the day, you know, this organisation is absolutely great. Everyone's just trying to do a really fantastic job, and so, and you know, and if you and if you can talk reasonably with people and, and show them how it can be really good for them, people are pretty open to it. So. Mm. Now, now, the activation wasn't just as simple as your time equating to your home loan rate. You also had some some in-event activations during the race with big screens and the like, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of thought, I touched on a couple of those things before, you know, like we, you know, we flew um, participants up, you know, prior to the actual event itself, we um, teed up with ASICS, who was another event uh, sponsor, and we got some of the latest running kit, um, and on the event itself, you know, we use their timing chips. Everyone gets a timing chip when you compete in marathons, so you know what your official time is. Uh, and we use those to track people and track our participants around the pa- uh, around the course. Uh, we, you know, we had a full production going on at the same time. So um, we had, like, cameras on the back of motorbikes zipping around the course <laughs> to make sure that we were capturing the shots. You know, we placed big screens around the course at key points, you know, and they would flash up you know, as the competitors coming past with their face on it and sort of how well they're tracking and the type of, um, you know, a forecasted home loan rate that they were on track to be getting. Um, and, yeah, we actually worked in with this guy called Get Running in uh, Auckland, and they're boutique sort of marathon trainers, and that's what they do is they train people to run the best marathons in the world to so keep them up with uh, coaching from them. Um, but yeah, and we also just made sure that we gave them like a really good VIP experience as well and looked after them from, um, start to finish. And yeah, it was actually fantastic. They all really connected with one another really well and formed a really good bond. And yeah, it was 
I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic partnership and activation in terms of the actual race itself, you as the sponsor, the the deep level of connection with the participants and even, you know, dragging other sponsors into your activation to strengthen it as well. I think it's absolutely fantastic. At Sponserve, we often hear discussions, particularly amongst rights holders, around whether short or longer sponsorship agreements are better. The thing that strikes me about that topic is that they often look at it from what is best for them rather than what is potentially good for the sponsor. What's your preference in on length of partnerships and why? Do you like to go short and keep extending or do you like to go for longer partnerships and work out some of the details at the back end? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I completely agree with you, you know. Um, I, I do think there is a tend to look simply from a rights holder's point of view when they're approaching term. Um, and, you know, and th- that sort of makes sense from a business point of view, right? So, you know, you want people on longer so that you've got financial stability and that you've got, you know, the commitment of a sponsor. Um, but I also think it's important that rights holders are, you know, looking at the right partners. And that's something I'm pretty keen on is, you know, hearing, you know, sponsorship rights holders, what their strategy is around their partners and who they bring on and why. Because um, I want to, you know, for me, I want a really, um, I want a really strong partnership when I get involved with someone. So um, I really want to work with innovative, creative, really commercially astute um, partners. I want people who are really hungry to achieve results for you know, and do what's best for their customers and do what's best for the people that are participating in their event. Um, and then you know, the other thing I'm really looking for is that they. You know, they know the worth of, of what a big organisation can help them with outside of just monetary value. Um, so I guess what that means for me is that, um, you know, I want to structure deals which give me the best possible chance of achieving that. Um, so I don't, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of horses to courses and it's, you know, I don't, I don't think there's too much value uh, and signing up for one year, um, if you're getting involved in a new sponsorship, I think you've got to at least give that a few years. I think, you know, as I talked about earlier, um, you know, I want to constantly be reevaluating our portfolio and making sure that we're aligned with our business objectives. And, you know, and as with any sort of partnership, some of them, uh, you know, some of them run into hurdles, some of them have changed over in staff, sometimes people aren't delivering on the benefits that they promised. Um, and so depending on what level of relationship that is how I look to structure a deal. Um, so if we've had a heap of changeover in staff, maybe they're not delivering a lot of benefits, our business objectives have changed, I may look for a shorter partnership, uh, like a shorter term, just so we can sort of prove our worth and they can prove their worth and we can find a way to work together um, and really want to build up that sort of hunger and, and willingness to deliver. Um, and other ones, you know, other partnerships, you know, we've got really great working relationships with them. You know, you can tell that the people from the organisation are really engaged, hungry, really want to do what's best for their participants. And those are the ones that we really enjoy working with. So we'll probably sign up for longer, longer term business. Very good. Now, no doubt you receive bucket loads of sponsorship requests 
each month. What would you say are some of the mistakes you see people make in the industry? Yeah, sure. Um, so some of the mistakes I think that I regularly see um, is uh, differentiating between philanthropic and, and sort of corporate sponsorship. So, you know, like, uh, I just tend to see that a lot of people's approach is is almost just expecting a handout and going, well, organisations have money, I need money, um, therefore I'll ask them for money. <laughs> and that, that's probably in its most simplistic form, and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty, plenty behind that, and that's probably not necessarily the case. Um, but I see that happen quite a lot, and I think... Uh, I think that there's definitely a role to play in the philanthropic space, but uh, I guess, yeah, a lot of people just kind of haven't thought about why they need the money, what, you know, what an organisation can bring to the table other than money, you know, what, what is it about our brand that you want to be, why do you want to be involved with our brand, you know, what does that mean for your organisation, how is that going to help your organisation, and not seeing any of that thinking, I think, is a big mistake. That a lot of people make, and a lot of it comes through, and it's all about them. Um, it's all standardised benefits, so you know, uh, ten tickets for this, your logo associated on this, mm. um, without actually a lot of thought into, well, you know, what's a brand like? Uh, what's a brand like us? What, what are we actually looking for? And having shown that they've done some of that research and some of that thinking, like already puts you miles ahead of probably 90% of the other people that are asking for Um, Yeah. Is there anything else in those initial approaches that really jumps out and and piques your interest, even if they're not quite right on some of those those fronts that you spoke about a second ago? Is there anything that that really consistently jumps out or, or grabs your attention and makes you think, you know what, it's, it's, it's worth having taking the conversation further with those people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's definitely a couple of things that stick out. You know, I've touched on a couple of them before. Um, for me, you know, we're, you know, it, you know, it's the strength of how well you can work with that partner, right? So a partner that comes in, you know that, you know, the strength of your sponsorship is going to be based on how well you can form a relationship with them and how well they can work with you and how well you can work with them. So, People who can display that you know they've got a strong commercial savviness, they've got creative thinking, um, how they can kind of think in in terms of what works for them and what's going to work for us. So you know they're thinking about this as a um, collaborative thing. Um, and also another thing that really stands out for me is um, organisations that do their own research. And they understand their customers. So, uh, an example of that would be, you know, you could come and approach the sponsorship, and you'll be, you may have like a huge following. So you may have two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand people who follow your sport or follow your activity, your event, whatever it is. Um, but you can't tell me how you engage with them. Then that to me is probably not as valuable. So, but if you could, on the other hand, come to me and say, you know, here's my demographics of those 300,000 people. This is how they consume our content. Uh, social media seems to be uh, our biggest form of engagement with them, which we do on a, uh, on a weekly basis. These here are kind of how we structure our posts. 
Um, we have uh, 60% open rates on our EDMs. I'm going fantastic. We've got a highly engaged audience out of that 300,000 and you're talking to them and they're engaging. That's valuable. Mm, I think that's a, a an insightful point. Mike, fantastic chat. Thanks so much for your time. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about ASB, what can they do? Um, so I'd probably say the best way to get in touch with me is if, you know, if people have questions or just want to have a chat or whatever around sponsorship and industry trends, I'm 100% keen on those conversations and, and can be found on LinkedIn. Um, so you can just send me a, a friend request and I'll accept it and have to chat on there. Um, in regards to sponsorship proposals and if people want to submit something for us to look at, you can actually go to our website, sb.co.nz, uh, and go through um, our, our customer service channels there and all of those proposals end up on our desk anyway. Mike Wooten, Sponsorship Manager, thank you so much for taking us inside sponsorship at ASB. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Great chat with Mike, and thanks again for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it, and so do the listeners. Some really interesting angles and stories in there, and I really enjoyed particularly the in-depth discussion around the rundown your rate activation and how it deeply involved not just the event and the brand, but but just as importantly, the participants and even other sponsors to, to really activate the sponsorship for everyone. That's about all we have time for. If you want to connect with me, then you can do so on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston or drop me an email at daniel at sponserve.net or on Twitter using the handle at sponserve. And of course, you can connect with Mark Thompson also on LinkedIn or email mark at sponserve.net. Also, don't be afraid to get in contact and let us know where you are listening from. uh, And I'll be sure to give you a shout out in the next episode, just like I did for those others at the start of the show. Head to our website because if you aren't already, be sure to subscribe to receive all our content straight to your inbox. Simply head to sponsor.net and to any of our blogs or podcasts uh, and fill in the subscription form and we'll deliver that content to your inbox each and every week. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes, blogs and resources, head to sponsor.net or search for Sponserve on Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn.